Um, I feel like this should be the intro, the int- the pre-intro intro. Please note that Dave <laughs> and Nick may have been drunk by the time they recorded the intro for this podcast. <laughs> uh, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> this week. Wow, sounding like James Hetfield then. Ooh, this week. Uh, This week in the Whiskey and Things podcast, we go back to where it all started for David and I with the Jack Daniels Old Number 7 Tennessee Whiskey. We are joined in this episode by former world champion mixologist Paul Martin, who talks to us about his bartending career and also his website, dreamwhiskies.com. And as always, you can find some more whiskey-based content, extra videos from the show, etc. On all your favourite whiskey social media platforms. And all your normal ones as well. At Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram. And at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. And it's been a while since we've asked you to do this, but if you use Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating, if you or whatever star rating you want, actually, and leave us a review. That would be wonderful. Thank you very much. Leave us a one-star review. We will find you. All right, Liam Neeson. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things Podcast with Dave Giles and Nick Kent. Welcome to episode 47. I am Dave Giles. And I'm Nick Kent. Welcome to the Whiskey and Things Podcast. So I was just thinking how long ago episode 25 feels. Mm. Feels a long time ago, doesn't it? Does feel a long time. Well, we recorded it like 17 months before it actually came out as well, so... (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah, mm. of course, we, we did a very special thing for our show 25, and we're doing it again for our one-year anniversary, which is coming up. Uh, so if you want to be involved in that, go and sign up to our Patreon. We'll talk more about it later. Talking of our patrons, Nick, Mr. Jeff Whiskey himself. Oh, yeah. He has done uh, his first YouTube whiskey review, and it's incredible. It's great. It's really good. It's, it's really, good. really good. And. I'll send you a link to put in the show notes, Nick, because it's so, so good. He's reviewed the Cutty Sark Prohibition uh, whiskey, and he, the way he's edited it together and everything, I'm just like, give me more. Give me more, Jeff. Give me more. We've got to get him on, Nick. We've got to get him on. Got to get him on. Anyway. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. 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 Hope, yeah. Come on, Jeff. Hopefully, he will be at our one-year birthday party. He is a patron, so I'm sure he will be, uh, so we can get some of his, uh, his magic on our one-year anniversary show. Yes, on our whiskey, which we will announce at some point, um, which everyone will get a free shot of. As long as you sign up before Monday. Before Monday. Monday the 15th. Yes. That's, what, that's your deadline, everyone. Sign yes. up, you'll get some whiskey, and you can join us on our one-year show. Yes. Sign up after that, you can still come and join the show. You might not get the whiskey. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we're just, that's all, all we're saying. saying. All we're saying. Get a move on if you want just, to... Uh, just be organised. Come, come hang out. Just come hang out. We're both... We're both putting our hands up and doing jazz hands as we're doing this. And I'm not really sure why. We look like Mr. Tumble, but it's all right. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Um, Right. Shall uh, shall we get on, Nick? Let's go on with it. Crack on. Yeah? Engage. Showtime. Whiskey bots roll out. Okay, Nick. It's time. It's about bloody time. This week's whiskey. Jack Daniels. Tennessee whiskey. Old number seven. It's one we're doing the original. Only just dawned on me. Yeah. It doesn't have a cork. Nah, this wouldn't have a cork. This is a this is a budget, isn't it? Is, you consider it a budget whiskey, do you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I consider it a uh, bit of an everydayer. That's why it's so... It's the biggest selling American whiskey in the world. 
they're keeping the cost down. Do you know if their fancier whiskies have corks? There's the Gentleman Jack and stuff like that, or the... Or the uh... Yeah, Gentleman Jack does have a cork. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I'm, ha- I'm holding a bottle, everyone. He is holding a bottle. Which I haven't opened yet, but I've had one before, and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's a cork. Oh, don't make me open it now. Look in from the bottom, Nick. No, it's not. <laughs> no, Just, it's not. It's no, a screw top. It's a screw top. I, I retract that. I wonder whether that Sinatra one that um, Bertrand got was, because that was expensive, wasn't it? Yeah, anyway. I would hope so. I would hope so. I hope so too. I mean, this is a big whiskey for us, isn't it? This is where it kind of all started, isn't it? Well, for me anyway. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. It's the it's the start of the whiskey story for us, and it's shocking we've taken so long to get round to it. Yeah. Um, but we had to do it at some point. So yeah, because they have a load of other ones I really want to try. I mean, we've both got this Legacy Edition too, and then there's Gentleman Jack and, and other other stuff. Yeah, they've Sinatra's got which is great. We've had that before uh, with friends and stuff. But yeah, there's so many, but we obviously needed to do this one first. So You've got to do the base one first, haven't you? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, we do. So let's crack on with it. Jack's name wasn't Jack, Dave. Let's start off no? with that. No. What? The founder, Jasper Newton Daniel. His nickname is Jack. This is the thing with Jack Daniels. There's a lot of kind of myth. There's, all the details are very blurred. Website says he was born in 1850, and that's the date on his tombstone. But the actual date isn't actually known. You know, with all the marketing and stuff over the years, they want us to celebrate his birthday in September, don't they? Yeah. And that was one of the big things. Um, the Tennessee State Library stated that in two, well, stated in 2013 that the records list his birth as September 5th, 1846, not 1850. And 1850 as a birth date seems impossible because his mother died in 1847. <laughs> Well, I shouldn't laugh about that, but I love the fact that the date, the records are wrong. Yeah, but um, <laughs> there's a 2004 biography called uh, Blood and Whiskey, The Life and Times of Jack Daniel um, by a guy called Peter Crass. Interesting. Um, crass man. Yeah. Very crass man. <laughs> uh, said that he investigated and he said that he was actually born in January 1849 based on his sister's diary and the census records. So wow. that's what we're kind of going with that. So yes, of course, his mother died in 1847. And as a teenager, um, let's just call him Jack from now on, so Jasper or Daniel. Um, Jack was taken in by Dan Call, who was a local preacher and moonshine distiller. Jack Dankles. <laughs> Jack's Dankle. He answered the call, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he began learning the distilling trade from Cole and his master distiller, Nathan Nearest Green. Was he near the green? <laughs> who was an enslaved African American man. Um, uh. But we know that name because of the brand Uncle Nearest. Oh, yes. Sorry, you keep mentioning that and yeah. I keep forgetting information. Nathan about Green it. was the first. I even tried some. Was the first African American master distiller. Right. In America. And now now there's a brand called Uncle Nearest, which was founded in 2016. I've had some. It's good. Yes. And they kind of, and they, and you might have also heard of the Nearest and Jack initiative, which is Uncle Nearest and Jack Daniels promoting equality in whiskey making, etc. So we'll put a link mm-hmm. to that in the show notes. Yes. In 1875, he actually received an inheritance from his father's estate and um, legally registered the distilling business with Cole, but then took over from him a few years later. And uh, yes, it says on the bottle, actually, it was established in 1866. But again, according to a biographer, it, um, it wasn't established until 18, 
75. So again, another thing which is a bit up in the air. You might be wondering, Dave, about the old number seven. I was number, but I think I know about this because of marketing. I think I've seen, you know, this is the thing with Jack Daniels. They have great marketing on the underground. They always have these great posters, which are a bit of a story you have to read. Yeah. When you got three, when you got three minutes to wait for, for a train, they're perfect. It's, it's really perfect. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, there's that Jack Daniels poster. And I'm sure on one of those was all about what the number seven is. is it, but please tell the story, Dick. Okay. The old brand number seven was a number assigned to the Daniels Distillery for government registration. Okay. Right. So they were number seven in District 4 of that county or something. Okay. Um, but later on, uh, he was forced to change his registration number by the government um, to number 16 in District 5. But they kept <laughs> the number seven because they'd been established on their brand. So that's where the number seven comes from. Because I always thought right. the number seven was to do with a mash bill or a different kind of distilling. It was because you see all the other numbers, don't you? You see number five, yeah. number six. Um, I thought that was to do with that. But no, number seven is the Jack Daniels. They just changed it on all the other ones and they, they took away the number seven because it would have got confusing and all that kind Wait. of thing. Yes. So there we go. That's what the old number seven means. Jack Daniel, or Jasper, died in 1911, apparently from blood poisoning. And again, here's another thing. It's up in the air. He got an infection in one of his big toes after he kicked his safe in the morning because he couldn't remember the uh, the combination. Apparently something he'd always do. But um, again, another biographer has said that this isn't true. So there's all these stories around about him. The urban myths about Jack Daniel. Exactly. Jasper Daniel, everyone. So yes. If that is your real name. So do you, my great, these things must have been happened. My great nan, her birthday was Christmas Day. Well, we thought it was Christmas Day until... <laughs> She died, and then we found her birth certificate, and it turns out her birthday was Christmas Eve. But her parents must have told her as a kid it was Christmas Day, just because they couldn't be bothered to do two Same different presence. days of celebration. So I think I think these things back in the old days, things did get changed, and that makes history. Like recording things like this, is, it's quite hard, isn't it? Because you to find out exact dates of, of various people is is always quite challenging. Yeah, yeah. Right. Should we talk about the Tennessee whiskey part? Please do. Why is it called Tennessee whiskey? Because it was made in Tennessee. Sort of. There's an extra little part to this. Tennessee whiskey has to go through a process called the Lincoln County process, funnily enough, where it's basically a bourbon, okay? It's distilled and ready to go in the barrels. But to be called a Tennessee whiskey, it has to be filtered through charcoal. Right. Sugar maple charcoal. Oh, oh that smells good. I bet that does smell good. <laughs> I bet that smells amazing when that's set on fire. Yeah, but that's the thing. They make their own chips and stuff, and they filter it through 10 feet of the stuff before they put it in. Apparently, this mellows the flavour. Right, before it goes in the barrel. So yeah. once it's come out the still, it goes through that and then into the barrel. Yes. It does have to be aged for two years after that for it still right. to be cooled. Um, there's all these different things going on. But yes, that's what makes a Tennessee whiskey is the extra process called the Lincoln County process. Didn't know um, that. Yeah, so there we go. There's only a couple that do it. There's not many. Obviously, they have to be in Tennessee as well. Pretty sure that's a thing. Yeah, so there we go. That's kind of what I got. There was a bunch of other stuff. If you want to go read up on it, it's easy to do. But I was trying or just, to... Or just read the adverts on the underground. You'll just find out loads of stuff. You'll find out all about all about the staff who work at the distillery and some awarded one in France when Jack took it on, over to France. Something about the Queen having a bottle of Jack Daniels at, at Buckingham Palace. I've read it all. There's been loads all. of... 
there's been great stories on those things. Thoroughly recommend them. You see one, just have a read. Yeah. Just have a read. They are the kings of marketing. I think I they think are, Jack yeah. Daniels is I know we spoke about this in, in relation to Johnny Walker a few few weeks back, but I actually think that Jack Daniels have the best marketed whiskey ever. Yeah, I agree. They made whiskey cool. It was just the rock and roll drink, wasn't it? But everything about it, even those posters, the whole thing, it's like the laid back, everything about it, it's just this chilled out, you know what you want to do is have Jack and Coke. <laughs> like, it's just that makes you feel, I mean, that's a really bad example because I've not taken a quote there. But whenever you see those those adverts or whatever, it's just like, oh, do you know what? I need, need one of those. I could yeah. do one of those. And, and and that sucked me in before I'd even tried it. Before I even knew what it was, I knew I wanted to drink it. Mm. Um, and of course, I'd never tried it straight. You know, you have it with Coke. And and as a teenager, that's a fairly pleasant drink, isn't it? You yeah, know, it's, it's a great. Very, it's a really pleasant drink. We to talked have about as a it teenager. before. I drank a lot of it, a Same. lot of it, and became Same. allergic to it. Everyone. The thing is, I was expecting when I got this to the nose, I was expecting to be like, oh, I'm, I, that reminds me of throwing up. Mm. It's really quite nice on the nose, isn't it? It is. On the eyes, it's kind of like a copper, just slightly like copper. I'm getting almonds, fruitiness, like uh, pears and apples, those rhubarb and custard Hard boiled sweets. sweets. Mm. Yeah. The mash bill on this is 80% corn, 12% malted barley and 8% rice. There's a lot of corn in there. Buttered popcorn, definitely getting buttered popcorn. Yeah. It's quite spicy to me. Here's one, right. <laughs> Furniture polish. Interesting. Pledge. <gasps> oh, yes. Holy <laughs> sh- yes. Yeah. That's what oh really God. came out to, to, for me was the, there's the cherries and the sweetness and all that kind of stuff. But this smells like my mum doing a spring clean before some people were coming round. Wow. You know? Hell yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very interesting nosings, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Whiskey God. So, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on the old Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, I think, God? Well, there's no denying the influence of Jack Daniels on rock and roll. It's undoubtedly fueled many a hit, or as Danny Gruff would say, banger, over the years. Maybe you boys should drink it more. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> JK. <laughs> oh, has he been hanging out at the hip school again, has he? <laughs> with the cool kids. Whiskey God's back with the cool kids. He's on the cool cloud. He's on the cool cloud. <laughs> JK. JK. Good Thank lord. You. How about you just give us your tasting notes, please, for the Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, old number seven. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, old number seven. Tasting notes. On the palate, you are immediately hit with a smoky yet deep butterscotch. Strong corn notes and burnt toffee. While I have always noticed a strong cherry quality to the taste, which, if you ever do get a chance to try the Sinatra edition of Jack Daniels that dominates in. Yet all of this tends to come off as very medicinal in nature. The caramel notes are pleasant, but tend to be thrown off by a type of 
imitation vanilla note. The spicy hotness is exciting, rounded off with maple and caramel. On the finish, oaky with a back and forth of sweeteners, not like that of cane or brown sugar, but diet soda sweeteners. There is a bitterness here that seems to negate what sweetness was available. The whiskey leaves you with a final note of cherry cough syrup. Overall, this is a budget American whiskey and thusly tastes like one. It is sad that in many cases, due to its rampant availability, many young people come across this as their first experience with whiskey in general. Oftentimes tainting them against ever trying the many other worthy passionate efforts of actual bourbons, scotches, Irish whiskies, and so forth. However, as a mixer, it tends to be a welcome pop to half a glass of Coca-Cola and ice. You know, there's a guy up here in whiskey heaven, keeps asking for this sort of thing. He has a cool Marshall stack. <laughs> Calls himself Lemmy. <laughs> Jack Daniels, Tennessee Whiskey, Old Number Seven. Tata. Nice. Tata to you. Do you know what I was drinking along there? I was surprised. I mean, that's that's quite it's quite a bold thing that he. You know, he's not normally that um, passionate. Yeah, no, he was quite to the point, wasn't he? You know, it's a budget whiskey and it shouldn't be people's first choices. But I don't think necessarily it's people's first choices as a as a straight whiskey because no. I don't, you know, to an extent I agree with him, but also I don't agree with him. Yeah, may- maybe the tragic part of that is that a lot of people think that that's how whiskey needs to be drunk with Coke. And although it, for some scotches or other whiskeys, it's amazing with Coke, you should try it. It should broaden your horizons on it. I'm drinking this thinking it's just a bit bland. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it tastes young to me. It's powerful. You don't want to be swigging it back, but the flavours are a bit flat. I think where I've gone wrong with in the past with this is by shooting it, because I think shooting it, you're just going to get hit with almost effort, like that ethanol. Yeah. The flavour's not going to linger long enough on your tongue for you to, to even enjoy it. It's just going to be like a, a sh- shot of alcohol to make you get drunk. And, uh, you know, mm. uh, that's what you want to do, fine. But just to drink this straight... If you're just sipping it, it's not it's not horrendous. It's just a bit bland. It's fine. It just fills my my mouth with spiciness, to be honest. Kind of eth- ethanol hit. It's not as sweet as I was expecting it to be. No, um, absolutely not. Without the Coke. That's where the sweetness comes from in that drink, is all the Coca-Cola. Maybe yeah. that's why it works so well, because it's kind of a very flat um, drink, and then you're adding the sweetness. If it was a sweet, if you put another bourbon with Coke, which was already sweet, maybe a bit too much. But this is maybe why it just goes so well with that. There's a sappiness to it. Does this does, does that make sense? Like tree sap, like a tannin. Yeah, yes. That's I why guess I so. think of as sap. I guess. I guess that's it, isn't it? But it's it's like when you try and eat the inside of a banana skin. Yes. Mm. Kind. Yes. I. Yes. In a way. I. I yeah. It's it, like eating a leaf. I. You know, <laughs> if you ever chew on a leaf or a bit of grass, I'm getting that kind of vibe to it as well. But this. Yeah. It's not unpleasant. It's not as un- unpleasant as I thought this was going to be. I thought exactly I was going to be sitting here yeah. being 
oh, what am I, what are we doing? What are we doing? But equally, it just doesn't inspire too much, does it? It's fine. It's- Put some coke in it and it's beautiful. For a budget whiskey, it's good in that regards, isn't it? Yeah. You can get it everywhere. Get it's it everywhere. Usually on you offer. You know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. I yeah, think that's you know the other thing yeah. that's important about it, isn't it? You know, it's the same. It's always going to be the same. It's the same. And- it reminds me of like Johnny Walker Black. Wherever you go in the world, it's the same. That's why so many people drink that when they're abroad, because it's everywhere and you know what and you're getting know, and it's yeah. cheap, you know? There's a sootiness to it as well. That Like, um, the more you drink it, I'm getting that. And that might be the spiciness as well, but there is a... It might You can kind of get that charcoal-y kind of flavour as well. Pencil lead. <laughs> You've accidentally eaten pencil lead or the way pencil lead smells. Yeah. It's, it's kind of... I'm getting that vibe in my on my tongue as well. Okay. I never used to lick my lead. No, but you could use... You know, you know what pencils... <laughs> anyway, anyway. I've got a vision uh, of you in a f***ing lesson. Like eating your pencils. We've talked about this for a, n- a number of times now, but I've got this book, right? It's by Dave Broom, The Whiskey, The Manual, and it recommends different things to drink with. Soda water, ginger ale, cola, coconut water, and green tea. Now, we're going to try these later, but I just want to let people know. Cola gets a three out of five, whereas coconut water, green tea, and ginger ale, he gives them a four out of five. So right. he's suggesting that Coke isn't even the best thing to drink this with. That right. actually we might find another thing, which we just not even, we haven't even broadened our horizons enough to go, maybe we should try the other stuff. And because it is cheap, you've got no guilt about it at all. You should just try oh, these mate. things. Yeah. So later on, we've got, I've got five glasses lined up here, of which we're going to put a little bit of each of those in and, and try some of those. But we'll let you know the results of that later on. But I'm really interested in that because... I've got, I always have a bottle of Jack Downs around, which I'm not drinking because I always think, I can't be done with Jack Downs and Coke because I had yeah. too much of it. Yeah, it's a treat for me. It could be that I end up having Jack Downs and coconut water as a as a chilled out drink on a, on a night when I don't want to drink a straight whiskey. Like I, I'm just imagining you now going into that Weatherspoons by you and going, can I get a Jack and coconut and water, coconut water? <laughs> Let's just see what... I just want to see what look you'll get. Yeah. Oh, but can, can I get a Jack and green tea, please? Uh, can I get, yeah, can I get room a Jack? Temperature. Room temperature, exactly. please. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, uh, Jack Daniels is what it is, and uh, prob- it's probably, if, well, I know, it's a lot better than I was giving it credit for. I, I shouldn't let my youthful days of debauchery on this drink upset the fact that it's, it's, it's fairly good, yeah. especially for its price point. Yeah. Nice one, Jasper. Good job, Jasper. Or Jasper. (laughs) Jasper. That whiskey guard has notions. We've mentioned this a few times over the last few weeks, but a few weeks ago in episode 44, we introduced you to a guy called Paul Martin, who's a former world champion mixologist who now runs online cocktail courses uh, on a site called bartendertraining.co.uk, which, of course, we're going to cover in the interview. Uh, He also has another one called dreamwhiskies.com, which is a site that gives people the opportunity to enter competitions to win really nice, really rare, and really expensive bottles of whiskey. Uh, We're going to cover all that in the interview, so uh, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy our chat with Mr. Paul Martin. Welcome, Paul Martin. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. For those of you who don't know if you're listening, Paul runs Dream Whiskies. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about Dream Whiskies. What is it? Well, uh, first of all, uh, Dave, Nick, thank you so much for having me on your wonderful podcast. 
Uh, I'll tell you what Dream Whiskies is in a nutshell, uh, and that is it's a crazy idea that occurred to me walking through Gatwick Airport about five years ago. So do you remember the days when we used to be able to walk through airports? Oh, I know it feels like a long time ago right now. Dreams. Glory days. Yeah. <laughs> the glory days. The glory yeah. days we hope will return soon. <laughs> so I was walking through the airport and uh, and as ever I, I was sort of gravitating towards the uh, the whiskey store there, World of Whiskies, which I don't think is there anymore now I think about it. But um, it, uh, it, it sort of caught my attention as ever. And I found myself standing in that store looking at a limited release Glenfiddich, which I think had a £35,000 price tag on it. It was in a glass case. Uh, I think it was uh, just off the top of my head, it was named after or it was bottled for the daughter of one of the original owners. Uh, I can't quite remember the story, but it was a very expensive whiskey. And I just remember looking at it thinking, there is no way... I will ever have that whiskey on any shelf of mine. I just know it. I'm never going to be able to afford it. And if I could afford it, you know, my wife would be telling me that there's a million and one other things that we could spend 35 grand on other than a bottle of whiskey. So I sort of came out of there dreaming about this whiskey that I would never try. And I walked into right in the middle of the concourse, the best of the best car giveaway. Now, you know the ones I'm talking about where they give yeah. away Ferraris and Aston Martins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just had this sort of epiphany. I had this moment where I thought, now this is really interesting because this company that I'm looking at now gives away amazing cars to people who would love to have an amazing car but can't afford that, which I reckon is 99% of the car buying population. You know, that 1%, they can buy their Ferraris and Aston Martins, but the rest of us, we look at them and dream. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about the whiskey and I thought, that's kind of the same with the whiskey. There's millions of whiskey fans out there, but the amount of people who could ever buy a 35,000 pound whiskey, tiny little drop in the ocean. And that just set me thinking, could I do something similar to this car company with whiskeys? And the answer was, no. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on, Paul. Uh, That was great. Um, (laughs) Five years on, the answer is, we're kind of getting there. Right, uh, right. And what I mean by that is I, I did set up Dream Whiskies in 2016. It was with the idea of maybe one day being able to give away a £35,000 bottle of whiskey. But in order to do that, you need thousands and thousands of people playing. And of course, we've been building our audience and it's a slow process. But we have gone from giving away whiskies worth sort of 50, 60 pounds to now we're giving away whiskies that are knocking on the door of a thousand pounds. So we're kind of going in the right direction. Yeah, and the bigger fantastic. we get, the bigger the prizes tend to get. Also, like, there's a there's a big perk with this, just off the top of my head. If if you win one of those mega expensive cars, do you still need to be able to afford to insure it and maintain it? <laughs> That's always been my thought. Always been my thought. I'd have to flog it. With a bottle of whiskey, yeah, and you might, depend on how expensive it is, you might want to insure it, but ultimately you're going to drink it. So, but uh, some people wouldn't. Some people wouldn't. That, that's a good point. But it shouldn't need much maintenance, just a good shelf. Yeah. Actually, so, you know what? In all the years that I've been doing Dream Whiskies, I've never actually thought of sticking that on our website. But I love that. I love that. Because yeah. I remember when I was, when I was a kid, uh, which is a long time ago, a friend of mine, uh, his uncle, bought himself a second-hand Rolls-Royce. So he couldn't really afford the car, but he really stretched and he bought, and I think at the time it cost about 12 grand, which tells you how long ago it was. But the trouble he had with that car was he couldn't afford to keep it. 
yeah. or run it or insure it, as you say. So, uh, and, and he ended up getting rid of it. But I love that. Right, I'm going to add that to the website. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no worries. You're welcome. You You're very yeah. welcome. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so how, how often do you give, a, give away a bottle then? So we do a couple of things. I mean, Dream Whiskies has evolved over the, the four and a half or so years that we've been running it. It started off as a, as a competition-only site. In other words, I put up a bottle of whiskey once a month. We ran a competition, gave it away. Uh, but we struggled to build our audience just doing that, which you know is, is always the case. You know, it's, it's difficult. I, I guess you guys know with your podcast, you have to work really hard to get it out there and build your audience and build your reputation and all that sort of thing. So, so I've done quite a lot of changes over the years and that includes doing a live Facebook live broadcasts where uh, we're going to do some stuff in this interview a bit later on where I do a bit of uh, a sort of whiskey cocktail mixing and we, we in, in, interact with our, with our audience. So we build a community like that. Uh, and to cut a long story short, it's, it's, Turned into two things. I have one side of Dream Whiskies, which is a membership where people pay £4.99 a month and they get various different things, including being able to enter a weekly whiskey competition for free and we give away a bottle of whiskey worth about £100 a time in that. And then on the other side of it, I have the original idea, which is this open to everyone, so you don't need to be a member, but it, it's, the, it's the sort of competition for the big whiskey and like i say we're we're knocking on the door of a thousand pounds for each prize now and we we do that once a month that one how much is a ticket for that then it's 4.99 a month but what what if i just wanted to do the do the draw yeah so if you just want to do the draw it's 50 pence oh wow so we yeah, thought we'd, we'd keep it really low you know so that's why we need lots of people playing yeah. otherwise i'm going to be broke very quickly i somehow i've managed to keep it going for as long as i have and i'm not entirely sure how but uh, yeah so 50p which means that I mean, you can buy more than one entry. So, you know, you get people spending £5 or £10 or whatever on, on their entries because they have multiple entries. But it's 50p to go in. And, uh, and, and you could win a whiskey worth, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds. In fact, last month or two months back in our December uh, competition, we gave away a bottle of Glenfiddich Snow Phoenix. And uh, that currently retails, if you want to buy a bottle of that, currently retails about £700. I mean, obviously, you can pick it up at auction if you're lucky for less than that, but it retails about £700. So we gave away that £700 whiskey, and the person who won actually just placed a one. single entry. Oh, wow. So, uh, so uh, sorry, by the way, to everybody that played, <laughs> played multiple yeah. entries, but uh, yes, yeah, so somebody actually picked that up for 50 pence. Someone put 100 quid on it. That's wonderful. So how many people on average enter for the monthly one? Well, at the moment, it's, it's kind of low in terms of numbers. Uh, uh, and that is number of actual people. And when I say low, you might say it's not particularly low. Uh, but we get somewhere between three and 500 people enter uh, the monthly competitions. And um, of course, like I say, some of them have multiple entries. So the actual number of entries racks up, which uh, um, puts us in a position where we can keep Dream Whiskies alive and keep it going and pay our bills and then have another prize the, the, the next month. But we're, we're very much in a position where I try to keep the balance so that I can progress to do what I want, which is one day I want to give away a, a 30, 40,000 pound whiskey. So 
every time we get more people who become part of our community of, of whiskey players, we don't put the price up to enter. We just take those 50 P's, add them up. And if it makes sense, the next, the next month, you know, there's a, there's a thousand pound whiskey or there's a 1200 pound whiskey or, mm. and so it will go hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It needs to be sound business sense as well, doesn't it? It's no point. <laughs> it's no point losing a load of money on this, uh, f- for sure. Now you've got the membership thing, which I'm sure also helps out with all of that. The the four ninety nine a month thing. So obviously, you said there's a weekly draw for a slightly cheaper bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, but but what and what are the other benefits of becoming a member? In simple terms, for their four pound ninety nine, their five pound a month, they get free entry into that weekly competition. So four point something chances a month to, to actually win a whiskey. Um, we also do little spot prizes. So uh, on, on our live broadcast, we do these sort of spot prize giveaways, which is only a tiny little prize, but normally it's, I don't know, like a book on whiskey or, or whatever it happens to be, some nice glasses or something. So you can go into those as well. Um, I have a number of online cocktail mixology courses so the other side of what i do which i know we're going to talk about is is cocktails and i actually sort of travel the world teaching many of the world's cocktail bartenders how to do their job and i've got online courses for that and and so we give all our members access to the whiskey cocktail course which normally retails at 60 quid so they get that for free actually i shouldn't tell you this but they get that for free even if they're only members for one month <laughs> so oh, wow. if they leave, they come in for one month and disappear. They, they, they kind of in. And then the other thing that we've done now is where we've just introduced, we give our members 25% off entering that big main competition as well. So it means that they're paying 37 and a half P an entry rather than 50 P an entry. And in a way, if they have a stack of entries, they almost get their, their membership back. So uh, I think it makes a, a lot of sense. Certainly, uh, the people that are members kind of enjoy what they, they get from us for that. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast. Let's talk about your bartending and mixology career. Let's do that. At what point does a bartender become a mixologist? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack in my memory now. So I've been doing this for a very long time. I don't even want to admit how long I've been doing it. But when I started bartending, uh, we just called ourselves bartenders. And then there was a point which I actually think was around about the mid-1990s when this word mixologist came into the lexicon. It suddenly, right. it suddenly gave us all gravitas. You know, we weren't just bartenders or bar staff or, or bar keeps or whatever. We were now mixologists. <laughs> Sounds like an archaeologist, doesn't it? Or something like that. <laughs> It gave us real gravitas. Um, so the question is, the question you gave to me was, when do you become a mixologist? I, I think as soon as you have enough bravado to call yourself one. Oh, really? <laughs> so you don't have to, there's not like a qualification in mixology? <laughs> no, there's not. There's a mixology university or anything? No, I mean, there are. There's yeah. loads of schools where you can get qualifications. But the use of the word mixologist is, is purely... It's a, it's a kind of uh, anecdotal term, really. Right. It doesn't have any kind of uh, uh, official, you know, you can't, you can't call yourself, for example, I couldn't call myself uh, Paul Martin, you know, MXL on the, on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just wouldn't get away with that. 
Maybe you should try it. <laughs> Maybe I should try it. Maybe it's a good idea from you guys. No one's going to know. No, no one's going to yeah. question, are they? <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're a world champion mixologist. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, ex ex world champion. So uh, you know, I don't uh, I don't enter competitions and and stuff anymore. But in my younger days, I won uh, seven different global mixology titles. Wow. So they are titles for uh, essentially inventing and creating cocktails uh, to go into a competition and, and uh, a, a bit like Bake Off, I suppose, <laughs> but back in the day when it was for cocktails. Uh, and, um, but I also uh, twice held the world's cocktail speed mixing record, right. uh, which was slightly more exciting. So certainly sort of more exciting to do. And that was, that was how many cocktails can you make in one hour one at a time. And when we say one at a time, you know, if you come into a bar and I'm working in a bar, you order five cocktails for me. I'll line up all five glasses and I'll, I'll get them all going together and I try and mix and serve them together. But this record, you had to sort of start and finish one before you could move on to the next one. So one at a time. Uh, each one had to be different. And I, I set the world record on two occasions with the, the latter one being 196 different cocktails in, in one hour which is about 18 seconds of drink, by the way, if you want to try and work that. Oh, wow. So pretty much every cocktail that you that would come to mind would have been in there, plus, plus a whole lot more. I mean, there are thousands of them, but there tends to be, you know, 100 or 200 that, that tend to come to mind with people and bartenders around the world at any given moment. Amazing. Absolutely. I hope, I'm pretty sure the World Championships used to be advertised as being there. I used to love going to the Roadhouse in Covent Garden because... Uh, <laughs> Watching all the bar staff there was absolutely amazing. Did you ever work there, or was to be part of that, or, or or am I just no? No, I mean I was a big fan of of Roadhouse. I mean Roadhouse is where the the really the epicenter of flair bartending uh, was. Um, and um, just for anybody listening to your podcast who doesn't know what I mean by flair bartending, it's you know when the guys chucking all the bottles around and juggling everything. Uh, and, and very much the epicenter of it. And uh, no, I used to go there to watch the guys because that was never my thing. So right. flaring was something that uh, I would do at home, badly break stuff, including fingers and things like that, trying to do it. Never got good at it. But to watch the guys who are amazing at it, yeah, absolutely love that. It was always good when you went there because it was the same. You'd see the same guys every time you went because clearly they were that good that they, <laughs> they kept their job for a long period of time, which is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is always always great. I mean, you always had your favourite that you'd, you'd go back to. But um, we have a Patreon page, as, as Nick mentioned uh, before we started, and uh, our top-tier Patreons get to ask a question of our guests. And, okay. uh, we've, we've had a question from Lauren, which is kind of related to all of this. Uh, she's, she loves making cocktails, but it's all a bit random. Uh, is there a good place online to learn <laughs> about how you can make more fancy cocktails and impress your friends even more when they're coming over. I feel well, like, this, I I feel mean, like I, you've got the answer for this here, Paul. How do I even answer this without promoting myself? Even no, absolutely. Please do. That's why you're here. <laughs> so, uh, well, thank you for that question, Lauren. So, uh, yeah, there, just, just to give a sense of balance, there are numerous places online where you can uh, try and learn cocktails and mixology. I would even say, uh, you know, you can go onto YouTube and you can see stuff for free. I've even got videos of my own on YouTube for free. But for some incredibly uh, informative and easy to follow courses, um, I have a whole selection of on-demand 
uh, mixology training courses uh, that people could enroll on. And when they enroll on them, uh, they're sort of video on demand. Uh, they cover in their various niches, 20 plus cocktails of each. So I do them for vodka cocktails, gin cocktails, tequila cocktails, etc., etc. Loads of history of the drinks, uh, all the technique, how to make them absolutely perfectly. But, but more than anything, and this is something I've always been really passionate about, is that mixology, in my opinion, is simply not rocket science. So as long as you don't treat it like it is, and I don't, then it's very easy to explain to somebody else just how to make an amazing drink. So I would say head over to my website where there's a whole load of information <laughs> there. Check it out. And, and I'll tell you what, and I actually, I say this to everybody because I get a load of people sending me emails asking me questions. You know, if what they see on my website isn't what they are looking for, you can drop me a line anyway. They can drop me a line uh, through the Connect page on my website and I'll happily redirect them to other things if, if they're looking for something else. So, But good place to start, uh, notwithstanding the fact that clearly the content is spectacularly good. <laughs> no doubt. It's clear to me that you have got this big background in, in obviously making drinks and being a drink specialist and a mixologist. So it's no surprise that you've ended up making a, a company that's whiskey-based. Uh, is whiskey your drink? When you're going to the spirit cabinet, is that what you're gravitating towards? Is that why you've ended up with this dream whiskey thing? Yeah, it's, it, well, the, the simple answer would be yes, but it's, it's not as straightforward as that. So for, for a very long time, you know, I've been working in cocktails for, um, for more than 30 years. So, so, you know, the professional side of my drink making goes back a long way, but... Um, for many years, my, my favorite spirit was cognac, you know, brandy, uh, you know, specifically cognac, but brandies. Uh, and I still love a brandy. Um, but what happened was some years ago, and I, I think I, I, I can't even now recollect exactly how many years ago, but at least 10 years ago, maybe more, um, my father-in-law, who's a whiskey drinker, uh, along with my wife, decided to surprise me for my birthday because I was starting to get interested in whiskey or more interested in whiskey and take me on a surprise trip to the Isle of Wight. Uh, and, uh, and back then there was a pub on the Isle of Wight called the White Mouse, uh, spelled W-I-G-H-T, yes, so the White mm -hmm. Mouse. And, uh, uh, and they were famed for having 365 different whiskies to choose from, you know, one for every day of the year. So you went there, it was just, you know, up and down every wall on every shelf. So uh, they, they stole me away, uh, we, we get in the car, we drive over to the Isle of Wight, I don't know what I'm doing, it's a surprise for my birthday, and we arrive at this pub, the White Mouse, which unfortunately had changed hands not weeks before, <laughs> after having been there for you know, generations. And we walked into this pub, which had you know, a Glenfiddich and a famous grouse, and that was it. That's what they had, <laughs> that was the only whiskey, it was just a regular pub. So out of that came my fascination with, right, if I can't go to a pub with 365 different whiskies, maybe I can create my own collection of 365 different whiskies. And uh, I have to say, I've never managed to get anywhere near 365, mainly because I drink them as fast as I... I <laughs> Don't, you know, it's for them. drinking. It's for drinking. <laughs> it's got to be drunk, right? But it's, it's what drove everything else. And so the mixology the love of whiskey, the fact that, that whiskey holds such a fascination for so many people. And I love the community around it as well. I just yeah. love every element of it. 
that that uh, I guess I was 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 almost sort of swept along into this idea of what Dream Whiskies is and has become. As a mixologist, I'm I'm just intrigued. What's the most expensive whiskey you've ever added Coke to? <laughs> great question. That's a great question. I don't even know if you know how good a question that is. I mean, you look quite happy with yourself. So I'm I think very happy with got, myself. Right, I'm going to answer it in two parts, which uh, I, I know you're going to have an opportunity to edit away at this, so I'm going to answer <laughs> it in two parts. Uh, the, the first part is, is, is this, is that I know from my experience of the cocktail world how attitudes have changed around the world to what can be mixed with what. Uh, and uh, so, for example, I was invited uh, not to do with whiskey, but to do with, with brandy and cognac again. I was invited out to cognac uh, a few years ago as part of what was considered to be an international delegation of, uh, of mixologists. So I was one of a couple of guys that represented the UK. There were two or three from the US and uh, you know, France and Italy and Spain, Czech Republic, you know, all, all over Europe and it's about 50 of us there, I think, in the end. And we had been invited there to try and help the people of Cognac come up with the next classic Cognac cocktail. Uh, and that was the biggest flaw, I have to say, because the only thing that makes a, a cocktail a classic is, is people, the general public, deciding they love the drink. Yeah. You know, you can't get together as a bunch of mixologists and say, this is going to be your next classic. It doesn't work like that. But... Mm. It meant that I spent some time out in Cognac with some great people and uh, had a great time. And what the people of Cognac were realizing at that point was that, that one of the things that was stopping them selling more Cognac was that people were too reverential about it. You know, it had to be served in a warm brandy balloon or snifter. If it was on the rocks, it had to be one or two in this shaped glass. You know, if you had an XO, then you had to make sure you bowed down and kissed the feet of the master distiller <laughs> before you drink it, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. that works for a group of people, but it doesn't work for a vast group of people. So now they brought us all together to say, right, what are we going to mix? What are we going to mix here? We're going to take this fabulous XO or this Grand Champagne uh, cognac, which you know would normally cost you a thousand pound a bottle, and we're going to mix it as a cocktail. So, so attitudes have changed. I know that in in uh, um, the Far East, they're really partial uh, um, to mixing Blue Label with Coke. I know that. Wow, really? It's uh, in places like uh, Malaysia and Korea. Uh, you know, they got the money, so they want to be seen to to have a Johnny Walker Blue Label, mm. but they are happily just. Like it with Coke, <laughs> and why not? Yeah. Why not? I mean, you know, if it's a nice drink, it's a nice drink, and if you can afford it, it right? if you can afford it. Yeah, exactly. I guess, I guess. In an old-fashioned, I—that's the one I make the most at home. Um, do you prefer bourbon or rye? Uh, well, I I prefer bourbon, but um, there, there's quite a school of thought here that says that it should be right that originally it was a rye whiskey there's nothing actually i've done a lot of research over this in the history it's it, there's nothing to say one way or another you know it's it's simply not clear whether it was a rye or a bourbon most people say it was a bourbon i prefer a bourbon in it but then i've got a specific bourbon that i like but i'll stick a tennessee whiskey in it as well so i'll make it with jack daniels right you know, or I'll make it with, with Woodford, or I will happily make it with a rye. Uh, but my favourite is Wild Turkey 101. I just, I just think that the uh, the Wild Turkey 101, old fashioned, right. 
I just love that one. <laughs> this is the Whiskey God, reminding you to please always drink responsibly. You can watch the full uncut video of the interview with Paul Martin, including the two fantastic cocktail mixings he's done for us on our Whiskey and Things Patreon over on our Patreon page. Funnily enough, patreon.com forward slash Whiskey and Things. Or you can find the link at whiskeyandthings.com. Yes, he's a lovely guy. I, I, I actually had a great time during that interview. Watching him make cocktails was just a joy. An absolute joy, and of course, we're gonna, um, we're gonna. If you're on Patreon, you're gonna get to see the videos uh, of him mixing the cocktails. But also, I think we're gonna put those little clips up on our social media accounts. Yes. Um, a few weeks back, we did put the one up of the non-alcoholic cocktail, which he made for us. But we've got another great cocktail, which was absolutely it. Oh man, it just looked amazing. Yeah. So the non-alcoholic one was the mango Melba non-alcoholic one, which we did a few weeks ago. But this whiskey-based cocktail was called the grapefruit igu. Iguana. Uh, what a lovely guy. What a lovely guy, Nick. What a lovely guy. Yes. Um, you can find out more about his online bartending courses at www.bartendertraining.co.uk and more about how to win some amazing bottles of whiskey at www.dreamwhiskies.com. If you head to his Facebook page as well for Dream Whiskies, that's where he does his, uh, he does some cocktail mixing on there as well when he's announcing his winners every week. And um, just as we were uh, recording this episode, we got the news that the big prize for February on Dream Whiskies is a Glenlivet Alpha worth 750 quid. Um, we haven't even Oof. had time to look it up. I can tell Good. you a little bit about it. Yeah. It's a bottle. That's all a mystery. It's a mystery bottle, Nick. It's a mystery bottle. Uh, it was re- it was a limited edition, 3,350 bottles, which I guess for a Glenlivet is certainly going to be limited. It came out in 2013 with only the essential information on the bottle. And it's just this black bottle. And, and the whole idea is to take away as much of your pre-existing notions of what a scotch can be. So you literally just have it as you have it. So you don't get to see it. You know, you don't know much about it. You're just going to have it. The master distiller, Alan Winchester, said that it was an experiment to stimulate consumers to sharpen their senses. Anyway, no, you I want could Jack win. Daniels. I want the branding. Yeah, exactly. I want to read about it on the underground. <laughs> so yes, Bang my you pen. can uh, <laughs> win that bottle for as little as fifty p. Yes. Uh, over on dreamwhiskies.com. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up to his uh, yeah. his monthly group as well, and yeah, uh, I, I want to be involved. I think it's a bit fun. It is a bit fun. And he was just such a lovely guy as well. Such a lovely guy. Yeah, with a great loads shirt of time. collection. Yeah, his shirt was amazing. That's a shirt that you'd have in your collection, Dave. Absolutely. I think I think we'll get him back on at some point as well. I'd like yeah. to think that we do some more things with Paul because what yeah. what a legend. Yeah. What a legend. We fear change. We do fear change. <laughs> it's not bad. I'm not angry with it at all. He's not angry. He's just disappointed, ladies and gentlemen. I'm full of bubbles now. I need to burp. I love this. I'm putting more Jack Daniels in. Oh, God. Come to daddy. Oh, my God, Nick. Get a room. I remember people coming around here and me making a big vat of, of tropical squash. <laughs> and we added Jack Daniels to it at a party. And it was amazing. We were all like, this is the best drink ever. Sorry. It was actually more fun than Dave describes going to uni with him. Um, you know, we were around to Dave's for a party. Uh, he made a vat of orange squash. It was great. 
So while you were listening to that interview, uh, Nick and I put together the five cocktails that we talked about earlier with the Jack Daniels, and we tried them. We did a tasting test. We tried Jack Daniels with soda water, Coke, ginger ale, green tea, and coconut water. I hope I haven't said one twice. Um, you might be able to tell I'm a little bit tipsy. I've had a lot of Jack Daniels over the last 10 minutes. However, um, <laughs> that's what's happened. And it's all good. It's all good in the hood. Right. So we've, we've done this and we're now going to talk through our results. But you can watch us go through this process on Patreon. We're going to upload the video because it was quite long in the end because we made all of them. We tried yeah. them. We went into detail. We did. We're currently 18 minutes in, so carry I on. haven't had those five. What do you think? Um, the ginger ale was nice. It was a bit different. Soda water can jump off a bridge. Coconut water was kind of refreshing, but still a bit bland for me. Green tea, can't really taste the Jack Daniels. For me, it's still the king. It's Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola for me. And as well, you'll hear if you go to the uh, Patreon thing, I did try it with cream soda. Again, it gave her that nice sweetness that the Coca-Cola gives, but it's still not Coca-Cola for me. <laughs> Jack, Jack and Coke is a taste. It's it's like it's like a it's like a Big Mac. It's greater than the sum of its parts, if you know what I mean. Or the Ramones, or you too. Interesting. So the soda water for me just enhanced what we already talked about. It was bland. It was the bland Jack Daniels we had before, but just without the ethanol kick. Um, the Coke. I it just I can't do it anymore, Nick. I just can't do it anymore. It's the furriness. I don't like it. Love it. Just reminds me of nights of debauchery and mornings of regret. When you had the ginger ale, loved it. But I think I was just really enjoying the ginger ale. But that's not a bad thing. I feel like that's what you do with the Coke as well. You're enjoying the Coke that's hinted with Jack Daniels. And I feel that was what the, Jack, the ginger ale was. And I really enjoyed it. It's still mm. bubbly. Don't get the furriness which I don't want any more in my life. So I'm happy with that. I, right. I would rather have a ginger ale and Coke than a Jack and Coke. And then the coconut water took me a while at first, but I liked it, Nick. I liked it. Uh, once I got going with it, I liked it. Refreshing. On a warm day, going to love it. it the green tea is a game changer. The, the green tea for me was mm. like, oh, and that was the one I was most dubious about. before. And I think that's why I'm most impressed by it. Beforehand, I was like, Mm, green tea, cold green tea on its own. I don't really want to drink. Add the Jack Daniels, and I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing. And it's not, within it, I'm not necessarily tasting Jack Daniels, but the combination of the two is really drinkable. Maybe I've got my ratios off here. This wasn't a scientific uh, thing we were doing. It wasn't here. a scientific thing. Anyway, so this is an edited down rerun <laughs> of us going through this. If you want the full thing, go and watch it on the Patreon, which will go up at some point this week. Yeah. I'll put once. some funny music under it. Uh, Nick, I'll, uh, do it. I'll do that side of it. You've you done the interview. So oh, I, yeah, I forgot. I'll, I'll deal with that. Dave does the Patreon videos, everyone. Yeah, I do, on the whole, do the Patreon videos. But anyway... We said we were going to do it. And we have... Whiskey! Who'd have thought, Nick, that the, the week we did Jack Daniels is probably the first week since we started doing this podcast where I've ended up drunk by the end of it? Who'd have thought? Yeah, we should do that. these comparisons more often, <laughs> if you ask me. I'm having a great time. Oh, my God. I've got a whole thing to do later, and I... <sighs> might go. Just, might just go to sleep. I've anyway. i a bottle here. Anyway. Mate, I've, I've Don't drink and drive, much... kids. 
Yeah, exactly. Stay in school. Anyway, what what, what we got planned for next week, Nick? No idea. We've had guest after guest after guest. Is it just me and you next week? Next week, we're going to have a good old-fashioned Dave and Nick chat. We're going to have a whiskey. We're going to chat about it. We'll probably have a bit of booze round. We're going to catch up on the month's booze round, I think. A whole month's worth of booze round? We've had a lot of... We've had a lot of friends like sending us whiskey news, which we've completely ignored. We have, in fairness. But the shows have been good, so I don't mind that. Yeah, we have. We've had some great guests on the last few weeks. We have. Um, so. Perfect. What whiskey are we going to do, though, Nick? Um, let's revisit Dalwhinnie. Ooh, Dalwhinnie. Yeah. Let's go with Winnie. a winter's gold. Nice. Yeah. Yes. We've had a break from scotch. Let's go back to it. Because <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Exactly. Single malt. It's a Highland. 43%. And uh, we liked the other Dalwhinnie we did, didn't we? I think we did. I think we did enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to that. I think we did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. We're, we're going to try it sure. with five different mixers. Um, Coca-Cola. And Chokiski. And Chokiski <laughs> as well. We're going to put it all in a blender and just whizz. As, and whizz it we're gonna, up. We're gonna, yeah, we're, <laughs> they'll wazzy it up. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> as Jamie Oliver would say, we'll wazz it up and then uh, drink the concoction and just see what happens. Why not? It's Monday night. Who cares? It's Monday for us anyway. Anyway, thank you for listening. We've had a good time tonight. I hope you've enjoyed hearing us get drunk, and uh, which was unexpected, but it's happened. I've anyway, still got some left. Don't go uh, there. Uh, mate, I, I'm going to have to finish these because otherwise they're going to be wasted. You know, waste. I hate wastage. So clearly, I'm probably not going to get the work done I wanted to get done tonight. Anyway. Welcome to my world. Nicholas. David. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks for coming. For coming. <laughs> Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions. We said we were going to do it. And we I have. don't think, I don't think we can. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we said we were going to do it. And, and we, we have. have. <laughs> <laughs>